Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk for Long Suffering Fam. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We are going to talk a couple of different things. We're going to go over the NFL schedule and annual tradition here on the podcast. Nick Friday, we're going to break down the Jets schedule, Giants schedule, prime time, holidays, all the fun stuff with Nick in just a bit. We're also going to be joined by our golf guy, Dan DiMarti, the PGA Tour. We're going to preview the PGA Championship coming this week up at Oak Hill. So, about the course, players to watch, that's coming in a bit. Make sure you lock in at the end of the show for these two-minute drill. Talking why the Nationals owners absolutely suck. The learners really screwed their fan base over on Saturday afternoon. So I'll mention that there at the end of the podcast. Make sure you stick around for that. If you like it here on the Justin the Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well. They help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the conversation with Nick and Dan are on YouTube. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. We're going to talk about the end of the next season here as they lose to the Miami Heat in six games in the Eastern Conference semifinals. That's coming up here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here. Opening tip time. Talking about the Knicks here. They had a good run this season. Ends up falling to the Heat in six games. Eastern Conference semifinals. Jalen Brunson, not his fault this year. He was a star. All you have to do is look at his game five performance. He played all 48 minutes, scored 38 points. Got the Knicks back to Miami. They were down 3-1. They win the game in New York. Don't get eliminated in Madison Square Garden. But in game six, the Knicks did not have a ton of help for him. Emmanuel quickly being out, excuse me, that hurt. That was a problem. R.J. Barrett played well, good player, but has limitations. Julius Randle, the Knicks' highest-paid player, pretty much a non-factor in the series. I get he had the ankle injury, but this is two times in three playoffs, in four playoff series, actually three playoff series, counting the Atlanta series a couple years ago, that he basically disappeared. Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, did what they could, but, you know, they had trouble with Bam Adebayo. Quentin Grimes, good role player, great defender. Same for Roby Toppin. Josh Hart, good player on the floor, fits well. This team's a role player. But you wonder if this group has hit its ceiling. There is a lot to like here. Jalen Brunson contract was not a bad one. It's a very good contract. He is a very good player this team. Legitimate star. He very easily could be your number two guy on the title team. RJ Barrett stepping up was nice. We had questions about him. There's points where he wasn't closing games in the Knicks. Now he's made a lot of progress. There are good young players on the roster who can be role players. But there are decisions that need to be made. They need to get Julius Randle off the roster, in my opinion. He's a regular season stat stuffer. He is a good player, but I don't think he really fits on this playoff team. I think he's a guy that you want like down the line, not the money he's making. That's a problem. Evan Fournier got benched because he doesn't play defense. You could have argued they could have used a shooting in the playoffs. They're going to move on from him because that deal was a mistake for the moment. It was signed. He has one year left on it. They're probably going to swap it for another contract for a player who fits a little better. Josh Hart coming back, I think, makes sense. I was not be surprised that it's done quickly. You wonder, though, is Tom Thibodeau the right coach for the Knicks? It does feel like the Knicks may have hit their ceiling under Thibodeau, who has a good defensive style, good structure for a team to play hard, play their way into good scenes, like giving every game the best effort they can. The talent limitations here, though, they keep the Knicks out of that title contention class with like the Bostons, the Phillies, the Milwaukee's of the world. That's the problem. There are a few ways you can go forward here to the Knicks. One, which I don't think they're going to do, you move on from Tom Thibodeau. You see if a new coach can get more out of the roster. That is the shorter-term fix. I think that's something they could say. I don't think they do it. The big answer, though, you try and get that number one star to top the roster, to play with Jalen Brunson, with R.J. Barrett. That guy theoretically puts you over the top. But you find that guy is not easy. 
The Knicks have the role players. They have the picks to get a deal done. But it has to be the right one. Remember last summer, all the Don Mitchell rumors? Leon Rose decided, I would argue correctly, not to give R.J. Barrett up in the trade. And as a result, Don Mitchell's in Cleveland. I'm sure you could ask about getting Danny Loder off of Portland. I know Stephen A. Smith has made that argument. Does he make the big difference? I don't think so. Is Bradley Beal the answer in Washington? You probably could have him if you want him. I don't know. Do you hold on to your chips a little longer? Hope Luka Doncic gets fed up in Dallas and ass out. That seems to be the most game-changing start that potentially become available in the next couple of years. You have to wait, though, because Dallas is definitely going to re-sign Kyrie Irving. They're going to give this another go with Luka before they even consider a move. And Luka basically have to force his way out of there. The good news for now, though, the Knicks are a perennial playoff team. That's something that is not having a while. That'd be great to see this going forward. Getting from that category to the title contender category, that's the hardest jump in the NBA. And nailing is going to be a challenge. We will see what they do going forward here. But up next, we're going to talk about the NFL schedule. Nick Frietta, right after this moment from the Super Bowl, every guys get this season, courtesy of Fox Sports is Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart. You're not allowed to go from an eligible to an ineligible player on back-to-back plays. Blitz coming, Mahomes, man wide open, touchdown Chiefs and Sky Moore. It's the same exact play they ran earlier with Kadarius Toney, and they don't pass it off again. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking the NFL schedule fully released on Thursday. Joining me in our annual tradition to break it all down here, uh, Nick Freda, my good pal, friend from the Sky Guys podcast, also a big football guy. Nick, coming was in the Death Star today. How are you? Doing good. I think this is our third year doing this. Am I right about that? Maybe four. We started, I think, at, we already started this first during the COVID year when we were trying to figure out how the NFL is going to do this. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that might be year four of this. So that's, that's cool. And uh, a very exciting tradition we do. And I'm uh, excited to do it again. I'm excited to do it again here, too. So any big takeaways from like what you've seen so far? So I know you said you have not seen much of the overall picture. No, I, I think it was an interesting dynamic to come on to this podcast more or less blind. With the schedule, I mean, I've seen the Giants schedule being a Giants fan and they got a lot of road games early and their schedule is pretty tough. But uh, I saw something quick on the Internet that basically just said the NFC South has the easiest schedule this year, which makes sense because they kind of stink. Yeah. So that's about it. Yeah, they do kind of stink because they also play the AFC South, which is also not a good division in its own right. It's outside Jacksonville. But then I would imagine the two Souths have the easiest roads. Yeah, you would think here. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Jets or the Giants? We'll start with the G-Men. Go alphabetical. All right, so we will go to the New York Giants schedule here, and there are a lot of rumblings here. Before we pull it up here on screen, I will mention, though, Nick, like, in terms of our annual grade about the schedule release show, I think this year 75% of the schedule basically out before the show actually came out on NFL Network. Yeah, we had this exact discussion last year, and I said, why don't they just do a release show of the schedule, similar, similar to, like, a Selection Sunday-type show? People would eat that up. I just don't think they care. I think they'd rather have the hype building all day than actually have people tuning in for this thing. Would you watch if it was like a six o'clock on CBS, like an hour long presentation where they kind of go through like week by weeks? Not you can't do it team by team because then people would figure it out by the end. Like if the Giants play the Cowboys, and obviously the Cowboys play the Giants, right? But if you do it week by week, I think it would be really, really cool, and people would actually watch that. Like we're going to do the first four weeks, and then we're going to commercial break. I think I think people would eat that up. I would. I would definitely watch that. Like the way they have it now, it's more like just saying, like, "Oh, like let's preview some of these games," as opposed to like telling you what they actually are. Like that doesn't interest me. Yeah. All right, so let me go ahead here, pull the giant schedule up here on the YouTube version using the graphics. These are all from Twitter, because the giant Twitter account here. So they start off Sunday Night Football. I introduce against the Cowboys, Week Number One. Then they go on the road, Arizona, Week Two. Short week, stay out west, San Francisco, Week Three, Thursday Night Football. Monday Night Football Week 4 against the Seahawks. So three of the Giants' first four games in primetime, Nick. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And then and the other one at 4 o'clock, too. So they don't get a real legit 1 o'clock game. And don't, not to mention Week 6 is primetime, too. They're not getting their, – their first six games, only one of them is going to be in that Sunday 1 o'clock slot, which is their usual slot. Yeah, so continue here. Week 5, the 1 o'clock game in Miami at Buffalo on Sunday Night Football Week 6. Week 7 – 
home against the Commanders, the Jet Giant game week eight, at the Raiders week nine, at the Cowboys week ten, at the Commanders week eleven, at the uh, week eleven here. So crazy thing here is they play seven of their seven of ten road ga- games on the road here after the first uh, part of the season. Yeah, a lot of red at the top of that schedule. Red being away, blue being home. A lot of red at the top there. And honestly, not that much more blue on the bottom. They kind of got a little, uh, I guess I could say, they kind of got a little screwed here. They have so 17 games. You're going to play one 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 year you're going to play nine home games. One year you're going to play eight. This is the year they're going to play eight. And one of those eight is against the Jets, which is kind of neutral site. I mean, the Giants season tickets are going to get first dibs on that game still, but it's kind of neutral site. Yeah. So you're really only getting six legit home games. No, seven. Or seven, excuse me, seven legit home games. And then nine road games and a neutral site game. Yeah, that's pretty wild, dude. You look at the rest of the, of the slate here. I mean, we're going here. Patriots at home, week 12. The week 13 by Packers on Monday night, week 14. Uh, Saints on the road, week 15. Christmas Day at the Eagles, week 16. Then they close. Rams home, Eagles home, TBD on the day here. So I think overall, I mean, like, that, if they can get through that seven road game and ten week stretch and their records like five hundred, I think that's a win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean it's a tough schedule. There's you look at the schedule, like how many games on the schedule with a quick glance are gimmies? Games that you know the Giants can and will win. Two? I'd say, I'd say three. Three? Like one of the Washingtons, the Rams and the Cardinals. Yeah, that's what I would, that's what I had circled. That's about it, right? I, every other game they could win. I, I don't. I don't. There's no reason they can't beat the Patriots. There's no reason they can't go to New Orleans and win a game. But I'm not. A, you know, it wouldn't be shocked if they lost it at the same time. Yeah, for, that's for sure. I mean, in terms of my projections here, I did. I have articles coming out here. The Giant one out. My predictions of the schedule. The Jet ones out. They're coming out a couple of days here. I have ten and seven for the Giants on this schedule. I'd be very happy with ten and seven. I mean, the Giants are not. Still not the most talented team in the league, but are the Giants one of the best coach teams in the league? For sure. Maybe the best coach team in the league. Maybe, who knows? So regardless of the talent they have, they're going to be in position to win every game. Yeah, so we'll circle back on the uh, Christmas one later here, but I did think it was interesting that they got the Russell Wilson slot, basically a four primetime games the first six weeks of the season. You know, it's it's the Brian Dayball spot now. Yeah. And – a lot of these games are tough, like week one, home against Dallas on uh, Sunday Night Football. Dallas is a fantastic team. I think Dallas is very underrated, by the way. Dallas is very, very, very good football team. I think they're second or probably third best team in the NFC. But can the Giants win the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think they can. Yeah. I also think the week three at San Francisco on the short week, I know, even though you're staying away, it's a rough spot. That's their home over for the 49ers. They're going to be fired up for that game. It's going to be a very tough spot, but again, I, I'll, I'll sound like a broken record when you when people listen to this podcast with the Giants coaching staff. I don't think there's one game on this schedule that I look at and say they cannot win that game. There's no way. I think they are capable of winning every single game on the schedule. They'll probably lose about half of them, but they can win every single one. Yeah. So you you feel like by ten and seven is like right in the ballpark what you think they can do. I do, but at the same time, the schedule's really, really tough. And their schedule last year, I don't want to say it was easy, but it wasn't as tough. It, it was, and it's, we, it's fair. Well, go ahead. We can be honest. It was easy. Yeah. And a lot of times when a team has that easy schedule, they get up to the, and they're, you know, I guess they only came in third place, right? Yeah. So they're getting the third place teams here, but that's only two games. Yeah. That's the, that's which the, is the, just the, Packers and Saints, right? Yep. So, but a lot of times it happens, you know, a team gets a, you know, gets, gets a really easy schedule. They get a little lucky the year before. And they go back down to earth because it's like, all right, now you're playing against the big boys. But in the Giants' case, that might not happen because a little lucky for them got them third place, not first place. That Packer and Saints could have been, well, not really much of a difference with the Vikings and the and the Bucks. Or the Bucks are probably worse than the Saints. So yeah, or the Lions and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, I'm just saying the Vikings and yeah. Bucks were the teams that won the division last year. Yeah, they would have been the replacement here. But my point is. Uh, I could see them winning less than 10 games, absolutely, because they could get lucky, but they could have gotten lucky last year. But at the same time, who's to say they can't happen again? But the coaching they have, I could see them winning any number of games. I could see this team winning 14 games. I could see this team winning seven games. 
Yeah, that's true here. So the jury's out. Jury, jury's out. Jury's out here. So you want to go to the Jets next? Let's do the Jets. Yeah, the Jets, obviously, they got the big marquee bump here at Aaron Rodgers. Last year, they were on primetime just once. It was a Thursday night game before Christmas where you know, he's burying down the Jaguars. They want no part of giving you guys any airtime unless we have to here. Look at the changes here this year. I mean, they start out Monday Night Football at home against the Bills. Week two, CBS doubleheader slot against the Cowboys. Patriots won week three. Sunday Night Football for the first time in 12 years against the Chiefs on October 1st. Is that right? Yeah, first time in 12 years they've been on Sunday Night Football. Wow. Yeah, because the last time I was during the 2011 season, 2012, they were on the Thanksgiving game. Te- technically, it's not Sunday night. It's the program, Sunday Night Football, but it's not on Sunday night, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they got that one here. You got the prime time. You got this one. You have the Chiefs week four. You have the Chargers on Monday Night Football week nine. The Ra- At the Raiders, Sunday Night Football week 10. And if on prime football, Black Friday game against the Dolphins, and then a last Thursday game of the year against the Browns. So six primetime games of the Jets. And that Black Friday game is primetime, correct? Yeah, it's considered primetime for scheduling purposes. It's okay, the only but, game of the day. But, I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's obvious why. You know, let's, let's not pretend why we don't know. Yeah, it's that guy at the poster right there next to CJ Mosley. Yeah. yeah, it's that guy number eight, I believe, right? Yeah, he's number eight now. He's not, he's not yeah, Joe Dan's it's, number. It's just pretty obvious that's why. So, um so you, you said 10 and 7? For the Giants. For the Giants? What do, you, what do you think here? I am very optimistic on the Jets. I, I have them 13 and 4. Well, the Jets, I mean, I look at the team last year, and I kept saying, oh, this is so frustrating because literally all they need is a quarterback, and they'd be amazing. Well, there he is. Yeah, because, I mean, this team, when they got Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there were reports out from a bunch of different outlets saying, you know, like, the Jets felt they could have won five more games with their team last year that had Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. And, like, Going from 7 to 13 is basically right in that window here. And I do think that, like, yes, the first six is very tough here. But, like, I think they can go 4-2 and two out of it. Well, it's very tough. But at the same time, uh, you know, you need to look at this both ways. And this is, this comes not with the Jets. It comes with every team. The Jets play the Bills. Monday Night Football Week 1, right? Yep. So you look at that game. Oh, the Bills are tough. They're maybe the most talented team in the league. But you don't think the Bills are looking at it the opposite and saying, oh, man, the Jets are tough. It, it's a tough game both ways here. The Jets are a team that on anyone's schedule they look at and they go, that's a tough game. So, yeah, it's extremely tough to play the Eagles and the Chiefs, Super Bowl teams last year. But the Eagles and the Chiefs are probably looking at their schedule saying, oh, man, the Jets, that's a tough game because it is. Yeah. So, like, it's, it, the point is it's not just a tough game for the Jets. It's a tough game for everybody because the Jets are a tough team. Yeah, I mean, you look at them last year. They had one of the best defenses in football. They had, like, complimentary weapons at Garrett Wilson. Again, Brees Hall back off the injury here. Now with good quarterback play, I mean, like I said, there's no reason why I don't think they could win four of those first six. So uh, let me ask you, as a, as a fan, um, my, my cousin is a Jets fan as well. I saw him yesterday, and he's very excited for the season. He said, the one thing I'm a little concerned about is I was really upset that we traded Elijah Moore. I don't think we have good receivers outside of Wilson enough weapons. What do you feel about that? I think they have enough weapons. I think they have, like, Wilson, Lazar is a good number, two. Nicole Harmon's a good speed element. They have Corey Davis still on the roster. He's not going anywhere. They have Randall Cobb. They have enough guys. Like, is it explosive as you like? No, but they have, like, a good variety of pass catchers. Like, true number one. They do have a, a good variety of pass catchers. That's very true. Yeah. And don't go the full schedule here. So, Bills week one, Monday Night Football. Cowboys week two. Patriots at home week three. That might be the one game I go to this year, Nick. I have that one sort of – I'm circling that one on my calendar. How crazy is it that we're going into the season with just about everybody expecting the New England Patriots to be a fourth-place team? I would love to see that happen. Right, we'll see. You never know. You never know. We've, we've been down this road before in the NFL where we're like, oh, this team's going to be great, and then they stink. But we think the Patriots will be a last-place team. It's crazy. Yeah, so Patriots week three at home. Chiefs week four at home. Sunday Night Football. At the Broncos week five, Eagles home week six. They've never beaten the Eagles in their history. Best chance to do so with Rodgers here. The week seven bye, a little early for them with the thirty with the 39-year-old quarterback, but I think like they'll take whatever they can get after that first six well, games. But don't forget, don't forget, people forget this all the time. Week seven bye in the grand scheme of things sounds early because they have 18 weeks, but they really start the beginning of August. Yeah. So those, those practices and stuff and stuff and the training camps and whatnot, they're still playing. So that – Think about it not starting on September 11th. Think about it starting August, whatever they start, whatever training camp starts. So th- th- think about it like that. So I actually – I think the early buy is actually could be beneficial. Yeah, so we mentioned here the Giant games will be fun. 
the Chargers Monday Night Football, Raiders Sunday Night Football, at the Bills, Dolphins on Black Friday. And I think the back half here, if they are in position here to like be in position contention here, this back six is really beneficial to them. They get the Falcons at home, the Texans at home, go to Miami, they host the Commanders, they go to the Browns, they go to the Patriots. Like, I think they could easily go five and one down there. Yeah, there's some underrated teams down there, but it, like I think the Falcons and I think the Browns are a bit underrated, but at the same time, underrated Falcons, okay, they're better than we think. They're still not as good as the Jets. Yeah, especially coming up here in December. Yeah, right, right. Like in the grand scheme of things, though, are the Falcons? I think a little bit underrated, sure, but coming up to New York in December to play Aaron Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it's going to go very well for them. Plus, you get some of these bad teams late in the season here potentially. Like if the Browns, for instance. Houston, the Browns, if they are out of the mix here, you could see the coach get fired there. They'd be playing on an interim at that point. You don't know. Very true. Yeah, very true. I think the Browns are a little bit underrated as well. Then they got a good defense now, but same time, they might like they could easily implode. Yeah. So I have thirteen and four for the Jets. I do think they win the AFC East this year for the first time since two thousand two. I don't think that's a crazy guess whatsoever. I think that. I think week one is a big telling sign for them. And if they can beat the Bills in week one, I think that it puts them in the driver's seat to win the division right away. And if you lose that game, it's, oh, maybe we're not as good as we thought. And then we got to play the Cowboys and the Chiefs and the Eagles. And who knows if the Broncos are good now? Who knows? Like, they could be awful. They could be good now. You never know. Like, they're they're completely changed team. But it could be dangerous if they lose that first game. If they win that first game, things are going to look fantastic for them. Yeah, and I'll also point out here, they did split with the Bills last year with Zach Wilson at quarterback in one of the games. The other game, Mike White almost beat the Bills with broken ribs. Yeah, I mean, you know how I said with the Giants, how their coaching staff makes it so any game is possible? It's the same story with the Jets and their defense. With the Jets' defense being as ferocious as it is, there's no game on this schedule. that is there. Is there one game on the schedule that you look at and go, ah, we're not, we're not winning that one? I feel like there ones that are more difficult than others. I'm not gonna say- of course, yeah, yeah. Is there a game that you look at and say, we can't win that game? No. No. So, like, in theory, not that they actually would. In theory, they could win every single game. They could. They could also. They're not going to. Of course, it, it happens. You lose games. But they are, they're going to be in position to win every single game. Yeah, I think here, as I said a minute ago, this first six here, three and three or better, I think you're, you're, you're right in the mix for a division title. Yeah. I mean, you have four of the top, like, six teams in the NFL in your first six games. Yeah. And then it really slows down for – I mean, I mean, either the Giants, Chargers, Raiders, those aren't bad teams either. Dolphins aren't bad. Like, they don't, they actually don't play a bad team until it Falcons, maybe. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, Denver might be bad. We, I, I, I guess we have to say they're bad Yeah, I would, say, now. I would say Denver. I don't think the Raiders are very good either. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not, but, like – yeah, I guess, I guess I guess they're not. All right, so that's the Jets. You want to go to some prime time? Sure. All right, so where do you want to start? Sunday, Monday, or Thursday? We'll start Thursday, I guess, because that's when the week starts in the NFL. All right, so prime on NFL prime video here on Thursday. So this is the Amazon Prime deal. The Black Friday game is not listed here, but it is on the Thursday night package. So we have Vikings-Eagles week two, Giants-49ers week three, Lions-Packers week four. So they have a pretty strong start here at those three games. Absolutely. Uh, the Lions are the talk of the town, huh? Yeah, the Lions are a big, big hype spot for the season. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I, I'm not completely bought into them, but at the same time, I am bought into them because I think the rest of their division is not good enough. So I think the Lions are actually going to win the division by default. So I'm buying into the hype of the Lions, but I'm not buying into the hype of the Lions, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make a little sense here. So some other gains to note here. I mean, the rest of it's a pretty mixed bag in terms of, like, they got their big gains early. They had Bengals, Ravens Week 11 is fun. They have Seahawks, Cowboys the week after Thanksgiving is pretty good. But, like, apart from that, it's pretty much like one good team against one not-so-good team, it looks like, most of the way. Yeah, yeah. Always, uh, yeah, you're right, actually. Look, I'm, try- I'm trying to disagree. I-, I actually think, Mike, I actually think Week 13 is a great game. Yeah, it is. Seattle, I don't know if you mentioned that one in your, did you? Yeah, I said, like, apart oh. after the first three, after, like I said, 11 and 13 are the two really big, okay. with Black Friday yeah. thrown in there, too. They have, like, two, three. Black Friday thrown in there, too. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, other than that, though, you're right. I mean, 
Week seven could be interesting. I mean, New Orleans is a different game, it's a different team at home. That's Jacksonville in New Orleans, so that could it could be an, an exciting game. As look, as long as you do this, which it looks like from looking at this really quick, they're not doing this, which is what I get annoyed about. When you have a good team versus a bad team on a prime time game, everyone's forced to watch it if you want to watch football, right? Because there's no other game on. At least make it. And I know they they don't have full control over this because the schedule makes itself essentially, but. If you have a good team versus a bad team, if the bad team is home, it at least makes it somewhat exciting in a chance where I can say, oh, they might win. Like, take week 15, for example. That's a perfect game in my mind. The Chargers going to the Raiders. Chargers are a better team, but the Raiders are home. It's a division rival. It could be an exciting game. Yeah. As opposed to week six with the Broncos going to Kansas City or week exactly. eight. Exactly. Flip that around and it City. might be yeah. a little interesting. Or week eight when the Bucks are going to Buffalo. Exactly. Like, Tampa Buffalo is not a game at all, but if the game's in Tampa, maybe it is. Yeah. So I think overall, not great for Prime. Though you will note here that a couple of teams are on this thing twice because the NFL changed their rules to make sure that they could use teams like twice on Thursdays to beef up. Out Al Michaels complained last year about this one. So you got tw- the Bears twice on this package. You got the Saints twice on this package. You got the Steelers twice on this package. I think those are the ones that jump at me right away. Those teams are playing two Thursday games, plus the Packers and Lions get two Thursdays. You got Thanksgiving. Hmm. Yeah, so so can you explain to me, and I guess the rest of the audience here, what exactly happened with Al Michaels as to why this rule was changed? Apparently Al Michaels complained on the air like during one of the broadcasts about how he can't sell used cars and like I can't sell lemons to the audience. He gave him a bunch of duds last year in terms of matchups, so... The NFL changes rules trying to get some of the god-awful teams off of Thursday night. So that's why you don't see the Cardinals, why you don't see the Texans, like stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. So they think, well, all right, let's let's move on to what's next? Sunday, I guess, right? Yeah, go to Sunday Night Football, the marquee package of the season here. So this is this the main package of the flex scheduling here. So that's going up here on Sunday night. So these are all from the NFL square account. So Cowboys-Giants week one, Dolphins-Patriots week two, Steelers-Raiders week three, Chiefs-Jets week four. Uh, that, that was the first four out of the gate. Your Giants are on again. Jets are on again here. When you look at this thing, like what pops out of you? So first I want to ask you a question, which is I ask you this question every year off the air. When are they allowed to flex a game? They can go from week 10 to week 17. And eighteen is automatically a flex because it's de- yeah. it's de- it's based on the probably the game that gets someone it's a win and in game. Yes. So basically, okay. So week ten on essentially, we'll say. Yeah, they they do have the option to do I think up to twice from weeks five to nine if they, it's absolutely necessary, but they have not used that yet. So right now, okay. We- well, the game that jumps out to me the most is and actually two of them. One. And they're back to back. It's 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 actually late in the schedule, which is interesting. They're fourteen and fifteen. Yeah. So the Cowboy Eagle game is always a great game to watch. As a Giant fan, it's a terrible game to watch because someone has to win, and it's frustrating watching one of those teams smile. But this is nice seeing one of them automatically lose. And uh, the, the week right after it too, Baltimore and Jacksonville. I'm very high on the Jaguars this year, and I'm really hoping they can pull the division title off because it'll help my bank account out a lot. And um, I like that game a lot. I think Baltimore is a really good team. Jacksonville, I think, is on the way up. Uh, game in Jacksonville, I think that's like my perfect matchup right there. Is like, could the young Jaguars take on these Ravens who have been, you know, pretty much awesome the last couple of seasons? I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. I think Lamar Jackson's record as a starter is like unheard of good. Yeah, that's for sure. I do think I like those games here. I see Bills Bengals week nine, the headline of the Bills going back to Cincinnati with Lamar Hamlin. That's good. Yeah, of course, that's a great thing. Take a guess. Do you have any idea what Lamar Jackson's record is as a starter? I assume it's pretty good because I know what they struggled down and he's been hurt the last few years. Lamar Jackson is 45 and 16 as a starter. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things I will point out is questionable choices here on on the schedule here. I do think they did a good job because they did get the Packers on twice, but in the flex windows at the game stinks, they can get it out. Mm-hmm. How the hell does Chicago Bears get on this package? I don't know. I don't understand the hype behind it. Like, I, I, you can you can record this, and I know you are recording it because it's going to be a podcast. But you can put this on record when I say this. I know the world is obsessed with him for fantasy football purposes, but Justin Fields is a horrible quarterback. <laughs> horrible. He can't throw the ball. He's incredible in fantasy football. And if you have a chance to get him in your league, do it. 
But this guy cannot play. He cannot throw the ball. J- Justin Jefferson averaged like more yards per game than him last year as a thrower. Yeah. He can't throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And think about this. Like this team had the number one pick in the draft last year before they traded to Carolina. Yes. That's right. And, and they, they're, and, and they're basically they're the worst team in the league, right? Yeah. And they're on Sunday football. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. And I'll be honest. I know I have some friends who are not going to like to hear this, but. My, my prediction here, that Week 11 game, there's no chance that Week 11 game stays. Yeah, I have no idea why, how the Broncos got back either because like, they yeah. were got awful last year. I think the Vikings are going to implode this year. Yeah. I really do. I think their defense has only gotten worse somehow. When they had the worst defense in the league last year, I think it's only gotten worse. They've been trading players, letting players go. I think they're secretly going for a rebuild here so they can get rid of Kirk Cousins and rebuild the team. And the way to do that is by just implode. I think they're just going to implode this year. I think the Vikings are going to have a terrible season. Yeah, I do think this is more balanced. I do think it's not as top heavy as like it's some Sundays have been. I do think that they try to do a better job distributing the good games across all the packages. Week twelve is a good one too, though. I, I, Chargers, Ravens. That's a fun yeah. one. Yeah, you got that it's a fun one football here. game. 49ers, Cowboys, Week five. That's a playoff rematch. Plus, Giants, Bills is also good. Good playoff playoff value here between these two teams. Yeah, it's another one I, I kind of wish it would. Like I said earlier, the Giants have a chance at it. I think they have a chance at every game with that coach, and it's also a nice, you know, day ball going back to Buffalo kind of thing. But I really wish we were home for that one. Yeah, so that's the Sunday night package here. So we'll go to Monday night to wrap up the primetime slate here. So Monday night football here. There's a lot of games on this one, so I'm going to start explain, calling here right away because a couple things you notice here that we have – a couple of double headers here. We have three of them this season on Monday Night Football. Week two, week three, and week fourteen, where one game is on ESPN and one game is on ABC. So that's interesting to know here. That like once it's on, like one starts seven fifteen, eight fifteen, week two and three, and then week fourteen they both start at the same time. That's really weird. I I knew about the week two and three one because I had heard from people, but I did not know about this week fourteen one until now, and that's really strange, especially being at the same time. Yeah, but it's, it's, doing a quick look at some of these games, pretty cool. Some of them are pretty exciting. You know, I don't expect much out of Monday night. We're getting a Super Bowl rematch. Yeah, We're Jack. getting a Charger Jet game. We're getting a Bengal a Bengal Jaguar game. It's pretty good. Week sixteen is a fantastic game. We're getting some good games here. Yeah, week sixteen is the Christmas night game. The uh, I'll get to that one in a minute here. You got Bills Jets. Week one's a big headliner here. You got Seahawks Giants matchup with two playoff teams from a year ago. Got the Devontae Adams uh, Packer reunion in there. You got the Bengals in there. Super Bowl rematch you mentioned here. There's a, there's a good variety of games. And even some that you didn't mention that don't look that good on paper, like week two, it's it's New Orleans going to Carolina. Yeah. Someone has to win that division. Yeah. So uh, that actually would be more uh, kind of more fun if it was towards the end of the season because I feel like those teams are the teams, maybe and the Falcons as well, actually anyone, are going to be in the driver's seat to win that division. Like really, it could be any of those four teams. And seeing at the end of the year them play each other like for the division title kind of thing, it's interesting because these teams might not be very good, but you know the rules. Someone has to win the division. Yeah, Cowboys Chargers Week Six also fun fun note there. Chargers are on this list, not just this list. The Chargers are on each list we've looked at, and all of them have been exciting matchups. Yeah, Chargers should be an exciting team this year. Yeah, I also point out a note here that. Monday football for the first time this season has some flex scheduling built in starting in week 13. So if they if they have question marks on any of these matchups here, they're not the Christmas Day one, they can slip, slip it out. Well, I think we know which one. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're yeah, you don't know don't trust Mr. Love. Yeah, I'm also not I'm also not uh very excited about the week above that one. Uh Bengals Jaguars. No, uh, the uh the oh, Titans and uh That's the same week. Oh, okay. So the game, so the, can they do both or no? I think it has to be one. I don't know if they can do both. No, I mean, like, are each of them eligible? I think they're each eligible to get flexed out. Okay, but they wouldn't be able to flex both on the same week. Yeah, and I would think it would take some, like, mighty doing to flex both. I guess I, the, the thing is that, like, you mentioned, like, with Jordan Love, like, even if he's not good, the Packers and the Giants with the fan bases they have, it still could sell. Yeah. And that's one of the games that's, that's exclusively on ABC. So, like, that's something that they're very like, – they very take a lot to get that game off of the, Monday night entirely. Right. It's just, like, even if they aren't good, it's the Giants. It's the Packers. They're two of the biggest fan bases in the league. Yeah, so if you had to pick between the three, who do you think has the best uh, package of the primetime games so, so far this year? Well, it's always Sunday, right? But, but I got – 
Yeah, I got to be honest, though, that I, I'm really impressed with the Monday schedule. And I'm actually kind of impressed with the third day schedule, too. There aren't that many duds. Yeah. And Usually the- it's like it seems like when the Jaguars were bad before they had Trevor Lawrence, it seemed like it was Jaguars Titans every Thursday. Yeah, every year. <laughs> every Thursday was Jag Titans in Jacksonville and the game sucked. And I watched it because I had one guy on Jacksonville as a running back or whatever it was in fantasy. And I was like, I gotta watch the whole game now. But even if it's on in the background, whatever, just like just to watch this one player. And now that I don't see that many times here. Yeah, and we'll point out again here, Bears-Vikings, Week 12 all night. The Bears just ahead of the flex windows. They're going to be on there regardless. We'll see. Maybe the world is right about Justin Fields and the Bears, and they're on the way up. But uh, honestly, I mean, I, I, I think he, he can't throw the ball at all. Yeah, that's for sure here. So wrap it up here with some holidays here. So we'll go – you want to go Thanksgiving first? Sure. Is that the first holiday? That is the first holiday. Right? And yeah. then I guess Black Friday, we talked about that already. Yeah, so – Thanksgiving games, Packers, Lions that's on Fox, Commanders, Cowboys on CBS, and this, the night game is 49ers, Seahawks. So I think, like, like last year, they kind of buried the Commanders in there. So it was we're seeing a huge number. I can put somebody good in the game. And then 49ers, Seahawks at night, I like a lot. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the first game. I, I almost feel like the Packers, Lions should just be the Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Every year. It seems like it, it works when that's the game. Although, it, you know, it could be a very different Packer team this year. It should be. I don't like the second game at all. I think it's a stupid matchup. The bad game, that rivalry's kind of fallen off even too. It's just, I just don't see this game being entertaining whatsoever. This is the game that I'm going to say, okay, dinner's served. Yeah, that's that's, nah, the, ga- that's yeah. the game where they're saying, you know, everybody in America has a TV on, it's not going to bother putting a good team in there. Yeah, we're just going to have the TV on and it's going to be in the background. And that night game looks fantastic. Yeah, and, and it's Seattle too. A fun Thanksgiving night. It's going to be a wild. Yeah, Seattle's, Seattle, look, people, they're a playoff team. They won some games last year. They've gotten better, too. I think Seattle is a very underrated team. I think I have some underrated teams in this league. I think Seattle's one of them. Yeah, I will also point out here in terms of the Black Friday thing, like, if you are a Jet fan, like, I would strongly consider selling your tickets to that game because parking in that stadium is already a nightmare. Imagine trying to get out of there around 6 o'clock on the biggest, best shop of the year in the American Dream Mall right down the street. And not to mention, if you're coming up north into the Bergen County area with the Paramus malls and all that stuff on Black Friday, it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, so that's a that parking disaster. That's one I'll happily watch on my TV. Well, my- yeah, the parking, the traffic, that is going to be an absolute nightmare travel day if you're going to that game. If you live in the metropolitan area and you can take public transit, do I it. definitely recommend it. Yeah, do it for sure. Get, get, get to the Port Authority, take the bus down if you live in the city. Yeah, take a train or something, however you can. I don't know what you can do to get to MetLife, but do it. Yeah, that that's what I recommend here. Do not drive to that game. You can avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the Thanksgiving here. So Christmas Day. Remember last year, Christmas was a bit of a dud because, you know, the Broncos on there and they were god-awful. And then <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals were in, there, in the mix here too. So I correctly assume that, like, we're going to try and throw some big names on Christmas to try and get people in here. So you got both Super Bowl teams on Christmas. you got the Raiders and the Chiefs at, at 1 o'clock. I see it's a Patrick Mahomes. Giants-Eagles at 4.30. And Ravens 49ers, we're on both Thanksgiving and Christmas on uh, Christmas night on ABC. So what do you think about the Christmas games? They look really good. Uh, the first one is going to be not so great of a game. I think the Chiefs have run away with it, but it's a division game. You never know. Same with the actually, same with the Giants and the Eagles. Both, are, both of those games I wish was flipped. I wish it was in Oakland or, excuse me, Vegas. And I wish it was in MetLife, but whatever, it's not. I think, you know, division games, though, bad blood and the rivalries. And even that—that's the brothers, right? Yeah, that was the that oh, was the brothers. That, that was the brothers. That was the Super Bowl matchup from Super Bowl forty-seven. Yeah, it's around there. That's when the the brothers coached against one another in that Super Bowl. That was a good Super Bowl. It was a great Super Bowl. It's when the, the lights went out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's a, that's a fun game. So I, I like the Christmas schedule here. I just um, just got to take note of something, and I say this every year. Last year, in May. We were positive the Broncos were going to be good, right? Yeah. And I remember, I remember week one, actually. We were at uh, the Mets game. Yeah. You and I together when they had their first game, and they lost. And we were all, like, shocked. We couldn't believe it. They lost to Seattle. Yeah. And I'm just – I'm not saying it's going to happen to Kansas City or Philly or whoever, but you never know is all I'm saying. Teams that that are good, if you take note of it in April and write it down – at the end of the year, it's not exactly what you think. There's going to be teams worse than you think. There's going to be teams better than you think. And 
Although it looks like, oh, man, the Eagles, they're a great team. Chiefs, they're a great team. You never know. The Giants, they might suck. We'll, we'll have to see. We don't know. That's, the, that's why you play these games. It's not about who's a better team on paper. It's about who wins in the game. And a team could just have a bad year. It happens all the time. Yeah, and I will say, as a Giant fan yourself here, so, like, how challenging is it to actually be able to watch this game on Christmas when you're trying to, like, spend time with the family and, like, people want to talk to you and, like, you know, like, oh, like, I had some present having Christmas dinner here. And that's, like, a very inconvenient time for the Giant fan. If you actually yeah, it is. It is. It's a tough time. It's To be honest with you, the 4.30 to, let's call it 7.45 when it ends, right, Yeah, is most likely going to be me eating dessert and driving home. So, like, the chances are, am I going to watch this whole year? I'm probably going to make a point to watch the game, so I'll probably delay all that stuff. But it is getting in the way of what I was planning to do. Yeah, because, like, it's tough. And especially, like, when you have this stuff here. I mean, this year Christmas Eve is on football Sunday, so they have, like, the most of the games are, like, locked in their times. I think the Jets are playing at 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve. But, like, it's hard when, you know, those are family days to say, hey, you know, like, I got to watch football. Like, the Jets are on. And, like, and then, like, you may be able to squeeze out the one game of, of your team but on Christmas Day. It's, hard. it's even harder. It is, and then for those who are watching on the video version, just so you just so you know, Grogu and Kenobi are trending. Yeah. So if you're a Star Wars fan, you like the Sky Guys. There you go. It's, Grogu and Kenobi are trending. Yeah. I'll also, point out a couple of schedules where we 16 I don't have graphics for is that the Chris NBC is not doing Sunday football on Christmas Eve. They moved their game to Saturday instead. They're doing Bengals Steelers, and then they have an exclusive Peacock game, which is Bills Chargers. So if you don't have Peacock, you missed that game there. What week? Week 16, Christmas week, Eve week. I need Peacock? I have Peacock, so I guess I'm watching it, but I guess I guess some aren't. Some aren't. Yeah, and the Sunday night slide is going to NFL Network during Patriots-Broncos. I, I think the NFL last year put a lot of faith in the Broncos, and I think rightfully so. I, I don't think it was, like, it's easy to say now, oh, they sucked, that was a bad idea. But a year ago, no one thought they sucked. Yeah. And I feel like they're, Kind of doubling down. No, I think this year that's the Jets. I feel like they're really putting their big bet on. No, no, I, I definitely agree. They're not putting the big bet on the Broncos, but I think they're showing up a little more than I would have thought in primetime for a team that won, what, five games? Yeah. But well, I, I think, Sean, you know, they were they were banged up beyond belief last year. They got a new coach. They got Sean Payton. I think there's belief that the Broncos are going to be better this year. Yeah, so that's what the general – that's the general schedule, general breakdown here, so – Nick, always a lot of fun to come on here and let people know here. Like, people want to follow us on the Sky Guys. We're entering video game month on the podcast. We are. It's very exciting. Uh, we have a couple of podcasts planned around video games and Star Wars and just other movie adaptations and video games and whatnot, stuff like that. Very exciting stuff coming up. And you can follow us for more updates with uh, at the Sky at Sky Guys podcast on both Instagram and on Twitter. Yeah, I did play some more Jedi Survivor last night, Nick. I did get off of Kobo for the first time. I'm on, I am on Jetta when I went to sleep. Yeah, I'll be completely honest with you, Mike. Uh, Zelda came out on Friday, and I haven't even considered touching another thing since then. Yeah. So, so my Fallen Order, or should I say Jedi Survivor, is definitely on the back burner. Yeah, so I have just started my first – I started Chapter 3 of that game, so that's where I'm at right now. That's about where I was, too. I was a little bit ahead. Yeah, I was about halfway done with that planet when I put it down. So you're going to catch up to me relatively soon. Yeah, so we're going to talk all about the video games this month on the Sky. You guys want to check us out there. But once again, Nick, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Mike. All right. That's all for the football schedule. But up next, we're going to talk some golf. We're joined by Dan DiMartini to preview the PGA Championship. That's coming up here right after this. All right, we are back here. Second major of the golf season coming to the PGA Championship at Oak Hill this week. Joining me today to break it all down, our PGA Tour guy, Dan Martinez here. Dan, welcome back. How are you? Good. Recently back from uh, Vidanta Resort in Mexico uh, for the Mexico Open, and um, it was a lovely trip down there. I didn't get sunburned, and we saw some incredible golf being played by two of the best in the world with uh, Finau and Rom. So I was up close in person, and it was a fascinating um, view of how two top tier players uh, prepare and duke it out when the course is playing very easy. Like it's almost like we were at the home run derby, right? You see when scores are in the 24, 25, 26 under, um, you know, 
that you're going to see some really incredible golf, especially when those guys know that the course is playing easy and they can go for, go for the green and go for birdies and Eagles. So, um, it was, it was quite special to watch and I, I was glad to be down there. Yeah. And also give you credit here too. I know you're a guy who tends to burn easily. So the fact you went through Mexico without a sunburn is a big credit to you. Well, for those that are looking here, you can see, I got my, uh, Mexico open hat and I, I hid in the shade for most of the time. So, um, but it, it was wonderful and, and a very cool event. I think more people um, should consider Puerto Vallarta as a cool place, not only play golf, but just a vacation. I had, I had a really nice time down there. Absolutely. We haven't talked since the Masters here. So catch me up. I've obviously been busy with the NBA playoffs and jump playoffs around here, the draft. So like, what have I missed in the golf world? Anything exciting? Well, I mean, the, the following week uh, at RBC Heritage was was quite special. Um, the Matt Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth duke out uh, that went to extra holes. It was kind of incredible after what we got to see John Rahm's performance at the Masters. And I hope most people kind of stayed tuned in because if they did, they got to see just how special and what one of the most incredible nine iron shots you'll ever see to win a tournament um, by Matthew Fitzpatrick and a really nice guy, a good person and somebody that's easy to root for, uh, especially going back to that episode in, in the Netflix series as well. So um, got to see some really cool golf there. Um, obviously we got to see Tony Finau hold off John Rahm world number one in Mexico. Uh, we got to see Wyndham Clark win just this past week um and at the wells fargo championship and so we've seen some cool you know venues uh quail hollow is obviously very special we got to see very unique uh, uh players top tier players i mean to see matthew fitzpatrick jordan spieth one week and then see finau and rom duking out i mean golf has been really really fun and the top tier players are playing the best right now so it's been very very cool to watch and, and a great we're in a great stretch here especially with uh byron nelson kicking off tomorrow absolutely here i want to get you on here because the pga up in our neck of the woods here oak hill oak hill country club as in host of the pga i think a couple of years so tell the people here what do they need to know about this course you know this is kind of unique again i feel like um you know the pga championship and the u.s open obviously um are, they like to mix it up a little bit in terms of their brand of golf. And uh, from what I understand in 2020 Oak Hill in preparation for this event uh, hired a golf course architect who wanted to go make some modifications back towards the original Donald Ross design in the 1920s. And I guess over time as the original design of Oak Hill East um, had been modernized to kind of fit today's game. They, they took the opportunity to say, okay, you know, this is becoming kind of a every four or five year major championship venue. Let's go back to that original design, but still make it so that there are some difficult holes, challenging, you know, spots and decisions that you have to make on the course. But what I can say is there's a beautiful Creek that runs right through the middle of this course there's a brand new, it apparently in the original design of the course in the 1920s, I guess the par three sixth hole had been taken away over time with various changes throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, but this designer who came back in in, in in 2020 wanted to take the design of that par three and make that the third, the sixth hole, now the fifth hole and redesign it in a different portion of the course. So you're going to get to see a hole while it's not in the exact location it was originally designed. It's the same design of the hole. And what they've done is with a lot of these greens, you're going to see some very unique shapes, like shapes. Normally when you think of, of a, a green on a course, you think kind of around, maybe it's elevated, maybe it's got a slope off to one side. These are very box like they're like rectangular and some of the corners are tilted up some of the corners are tilted down and a lot of these greens are protected by deep bunkers and you know really really lush green rough leading all the way up to kind of that false fronts and, and getting you onto the green so i'm just excited because you know the thing that i miss the most being in florida full time is is the is golf in the northeast and this time of year, now that everything has thawed out and there's been time to kind of 
get these courses looking in shape, you know, there's nothing like, you know, the grass and the rough and the greens in, in that portion of the United States. And, uh, I have, I have a feeling it's just going to be a really a beautiful viewing experience for, for golf fans. It's nice to see how this plays out. I'm also curious here, like what types of golfers you like to do well on this course? You know, it's really hard to tell because these guys have probably never gotten to play it in this unless they've taken some time off to sneak up there, which a lot of them do. Um, a lot of the, the players that have the ability to take a week off and go up and get a couple of practice rounds in. Um, I, I think this is really going to surprise people. I, I'm under the impression this is going to be whoever is putting the best is going to win. Now, normally you, that's just kind of a standard statement. I don't think it's going to be that challenging for guys to get T to green. You got to keep it in the fairway. They're going to grow. It's a major championship. They're going to grow the rough, obviously high to try to protect the scores. Um, they're going to make the greens incredibly fast, but this is like a traditional Northeastern course design. You've got plenty of big trees, um, you know, narrow fairways, um, you know, some in incredible sight lines, but you've got to put the ball in position and you've got to be able to execute when you have an opportunity for birdie. And I know that's kind of like an easy out, but it just makes a lot of sense there. You cannot miss opportunities to make birdies on this course. I, I just have a feeling par is not going to be enough. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's talk about the defending champ here, Justin Thomas. Obviously, last year between this, between watching the PGA Championship play out and the and the recap of it, the episode of Full Swing. I mean, that was one of the storybook endings of all time with his big comeback to win the tournament here. Like, what do you think he can do for an encore here? You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, he's had a, a, an up and down year, I guess, by his standards. He's got, I think, four or five different top tens, but he also has a bunch of kind of showings that are in kind of the mid-20s, and um, it's kind of rare for him. And, and uh, you know, obviously he missed the cut at the Masters this past year, and, you know, there were obviously some opportunities that I'm sure he went back and worked on and addressed within his game, and he played okay at heritage and he obviously he was in the mix at Wells Fargo. I think he finished tied for 12th or 13th or something kind of in the mid teens, but you know, he's, he's a player who, when he sees opportunity, he just capitalized. If the, if he is hovering on Saturday or early into the final round, you can never count him out. And that's what we saw last year. He just, and he did, he did it at the players championship. You know, he's just one of those guys that he might not have a four or five shot lead going into the weekend, but if he's one or two shots back, he's the guy you got to be just so careful. And nobody wants to see his name go charging up the leaderboard because he's hard to beat when he's on. Yeah, that's for sure. You're still going to the top contenders here. Looking at most of these odd sites here, it looks like there's a choice between either John Rom, who won the Masters recently, Scotty Scheffler, or both are right around the top of the uh, odds board. Type about those two guys. Yeah, you know, I got to see John Rahm operate in person just a couple weeks ago in kind of a very quiet setting in Mexico. And and the work that he puts in, the team and the support that he has around him, you get why he's world number one. You get why he's playing just absolutely dominant golf. And, you know, he cares very deeply about his legacy and He's, he continues for some, he's got this, even though he's had just this incredible season, he's setting all these records. He still looks very hungry. Like he does not like to lose. <laughs> and that's a scary thing for the other players out there because, you know, he's, he's found something in his game this year that is consistently awesome. You know, he's in the past, you know, he's been a few weeks where he just hasn't had it. You know, and he's not going to go out and he necessarily shoot 7,800, but now he's coming out and he's shooting 4-under, 5-under, 6-under, 8-under. He's just constantly under par. And, you know, it would be really scary if you see him get out to like a three- or four-stroke lead on Thursday. Um, going to be really hard for him to catch. And um, Scheffler, Scheffler is, you know, no spoiler here, but, um, you know, I even though, you know, if you look at Scotty Scheffler's, uh, season so far, everybody's like, oh, it's, the story's been John Rahm. Well, you know, obviously Scotty's won. He won at Phoenix. He won the Players Championship. He finished fourth at Dell Match Play, and then he was tied for tenth at the Masters, tied for eleventh at Heritage. So, it's even though he's been quiet, like think about how good that stretch has been. I'll read it again: Phoenix, 
first. T12 Genesis, tied for fourth at Arnold Palmer. First at the players, fourth at match play. T10, T11. So he's basically gone out in the last five events he's played. The worst he's done is 11th. So you can't count him out. He's taken a couple weeks off. The last time we saw him, obviously, was Heritage. But, um, you know, he will be ready to go, and he will be somebody who, if if I were betting, you know, I would seriously consider as as a, as the favorite to win this one. I just think that he can, the way he plays golf and the way he's you know, hones in on these specific courses and his game just translates so well to this style of golf. And, um, you know, he's going to put it in the fairway. He's going to be accurate with his irons. He's got the short game and he's got the putting to match. So this is what you want right here. He doesn't need to hit it a mile. Um, He's just got to give himself good looks on good angles into the greens. That's for sure here. Talk about some of the other top contenders. Who are some of the other top guys you're watching that could do well this week? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of more in a um, – I'm looking at some of the guys like, you know, the Xander Shoffleys are starting to heat up a little bit. Um, I'm not 100% on where Colin Morikawa is. Obviously, we don't have – you know, Jordan Spieth has a hand injury. He would have been somebody that I said this could be like a, you know, a reemergence with the season that he's had and how competitive Jordan Spieth has been. I really kind of had him pegged as winning this one. Um, unfortunately, you know, he, he posted just the other day about, you know, the, the pain that he's experiencing. So we don't know how long that's going to take somebody that's been sneaky. Good is Victor Hovland. I, I know a lot of people, um, you know, c- continue to say this kid's got all the talent in the world. He just can't seem to put it together for all four rounds. Well, you know, every time that I don't think that Hovland's got a chance, he scares me and he's like in the top three and he's got a real chance. So maybe this is the one for him. So I would look at, at, at Hovland. I would look at Shoffley and um, you know, even potentially a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick, because you know, he's somebody who every time you forget about him, he comes back out and, you know, he wins RBC. Okay. That's great. All right, that's, it's a great, it's a designated event. And then people forget about him. And if you look at the odds, he's pretty far down the list for a guy who's, being as dominant as he's been in the past year. Yeah, that's for sure. A couple of injuries I'll point out here for you always listening here. Tiger Woods is out of this event after he had ankle surgery here. Obviously, Jordan Heath is right now. He's going to give it a go with the wrist injury. And Will Zalatoris out for the season with back surgery in April. So those are the only big names that like are out or potentially could be hampered here, I feel like. Yeah. You know, somebody, um, if you want to go into a sleeper real quick. Sure. Sure. You know, somebody who I just don't, I just don't think enough people realize how good he's been and how consistent he is, is a guy named Sun JM. And it seems like people don't give him the credit that's due. I mean, if you look at the season he's had, I mean, Farmers T4, uh, Phoenix was tied for six. The players, he was tied for six. Zurich, he finished sixth. Wells Fargo, he was tied for eighth. RBC Heritage, he was tied for seventh. I mean, this guy, just all he does is top 10. So, you know, I just think that he's somebody that you absolutely can't count out. And if the field starts to struggle, you could see Sanjay just holding on. So if you're looking for kind of a deeper cut here, he might be somebody that uh, that you should take a look at. Yeah, I was actually went back, looked at the last time that PGA was here. This is back a decade ago in 2013. One guy you see who was in the top 10 that year was Roy McIlroy. He finished seventh and tied for seventh there. Lee Leslie had three under years. I wonder if that experience at this course could help him. It could. It absolutely could. And, and you know, Rory's obviously somebody who <laughs> you, just, you just don't know what you're going to get, right? When he's hot, he's unbeatable. And, and, and everybody knows that. That's That's not anything new it's hard right now for me to favor rory over a rom or a scheffler purely because of the you know it's that what have you done for me lately type thing and you know obviously there's uh you know the masters once again i i can't speak on rory's behalf or anything but i do think that this master's hurdle that he has faced continues to kind of get in his psyche and then he it kind of will get out of there and then you know, by in the next two, three, four weeks, he's going to just get red hot and he'll go right through the playoffs that way. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, there's, I don't know if it's 
if it's, um, it's, it's obviously not a majors issue. It's just one of those things where, you know, his time has to be coming for the masters. And I don't know how many more years it is, but um, I just think that this he'll be looking to come out and have a great start. I will tell you that he's going to, I have a, I have a feeling that he's going to give everything he's got for those first two rounds. I just don't know what we're going to get from him. Absolutely here. And last question, obviously here is people want to know like who you have winning this thing. Mm. I've got Scotty Scheffler. I really do. I know that's a boring pick, but um, this is a guy who, you know, he played so much golf. He needed a break. He needed a breather and arrested Scotty Scheffler, I think is really scary. Um, you know, he's been able to, you know, hopefully enjoy a little bit of his recent success, get his mind and body right. And he's going to come out and attack this course. And, you know, obviously with Byron Nelson going on, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where things kind of net out this week. You know, he's obviously a, a local and, um, you know, going to the university of Texas and, and, you know, I, I'm, I got to figure that at some point, um, he's going to make his way up there and get, you know, plenty of practice in and he's going to take this thing. So I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler on this one. What about you? Uh, it's a good question here. I think I might incline to go with you on that pick because like, I feel like you sold me on that one. Okay. All right. Well, Hey, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, once again, this is, this is a, a course that not a lot of people know and uh, you know, you don't see it very often. And obviously there's been a ton of changes since the last time it's been played there with, with this whole, you know, course architect coming in. So uh, tune in, you'll watch early on Thursday and Friday, if you can to learn, because they'll probably do plenty of features about the course changes and, you know, you'll get plenty of aerial views. And I think you're going to see some really unique um, approaches towards this golf course. Some, obviously, there's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a divide. You know, this isn't going to be like an event where everybody is at least around even and the cut line is like, you know, four under type of thing. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be your game either fits or there's going to be some really high scores. So there's going to be an easy divide here. So we'll see, but that's, what's exciting about it. We're, we're kind of getting into the stretch of the year where most people are starting to think about playing golf, not just watch golf. So for those of you that are just getting out there and uh, really starting to get your game together, uh, I hope you, you hit them straight. Absolutely. Dan, thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. People who want to find on social media. How can I do that? Sure. DMART 207 on Twitter. All right, Dan, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks. The two minute drill. All right, two minute drill time. And I don't know how much you're aware of what happened with the Mets and Nationals on Saturday, which I don't blame you. It was a great day weather wise. You could be outside enjoying the sun. It's Mother's Day weekend, maybe hang out with mom. But you missed a disaster here. The second game of the series with the Mets and Washington was scheduled to start at 4.05. The forecast calls for a chance of rain between 4 and 7. Logic would say, you know what? The forecast is not great. If it's raining around 3 o'clock, we'll delay the start of the game. We're going to see if we can either, you know, get it going in an hour or two. If we can't, postpone it. Doubleheader tomorrow, doubleheader Monday, doubleheader later in the season. One of those options. Washington chooses to start the game. They play just over two innings. The field is getting bombarded by water. To the point, they finally got the tarp on the field about 45 minutes. That's the last fans hear back for four hours. And they take the tarp off at 7 after it stops raining and say, okay, let's try and play. The grass crew works their asses off, but you can tell that the field is not right. The field took on a lot of water. It was not safe, not playable. It's not happening. We hear about 9 o'clock that the game is suspended. And the Nationals decided to make it up as part of a split doubleheader on Sunday. In other words... They wanted to get the gate from this game. They wanted to get the money from the tickets, the concessions, the parking, and the Mother's Day game that was scheduled. So instead of doing a straight doubleheader where you go at 12.35 to get both games, they played the last seven innings of Saturday's game at 12.35 on Mother's Day, moved the regularly scheduled game from 135 back to 4.35. This is an absolute joke out of Washington. They left their fans high and dry for four hours 
we had reports on Twitter. They stopped selling concessions in the stadium about 7.30 p.m. I mean, if you were there and you were just hanging around hoping the game would restart, there's about an hour and a half there. You couldn't get food or drink if you wanted. That's not great. Then the Nationals made it clear on Twitter that the tickets in the parking from Saturday would only be honored for the resumption of game one. Later on, they do share a link which says that if you bought the tickets directly from the Nationals, you could exchange them for a future game. But if you bought them in the secondary market, and considering there's a lot of Met fans in town for the weekend, there's a good chance that was the case. You're out of luck. This is really shitty behavior at the Warners. We're on their way out as the owners. They've been trying to sell. They have a history of doing the split admission doubleheaders because they treat their customers like ATM machines instead of real people. This is a god-awful baseball team. It's not going to be in the mix for the longest year. They're not drawing a lot of fans right now. Would it have killed you to give away a voucher to anyone who sat through the mess you created by trying to ensure you got the Saturday gate? Would it kill you that much to give you a voucher for a future game and a parking refund? It's hideous. Especially when you didn't update anything in the building for about four hours from when the tarp went on the field until you announced it's postponed with a message on the scoreboard. All the blame on the franchise. They will not get nearly enough criticism for it because it happened under the cover of darkness on Mother's Day weekend. Major League Baseball also deserves it to merit for allowing a split the water to happen. They put the business interests of Washington ahead of what was best to paying customers. Shame on everybody involved in that decision. And with that, I want to end the show for the week. I want to thank my guest, Dan Martini for talking PJ Tour and Nick Varietta, who was doing the NFL schedule. A lot of fun stuff there. One more good stuff like this podcast. Can we look at the New York Giants schedule predictions? I have that post up on the website. Check out on the blog, justonsuffering.wordpress.com. Also, check out the Sky Guys podcast this week. We are in off-season mode. We covered Star Wars Visions Volume 2 that came out on May the 4th. Podcast in the feed. You want to check it out. As Nick mentioned earlier, Video game coverage starting this week. We have a release of Jedi Fallen Order coverage with some new introduction material on the feed coming on front on Thursday. So check that out there. Same podcast platform mentioned at the top of the show. You can follow me on Twitter, MPhillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for us here this week on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Coming up next week here on the podcast, we're going to go ahead here and take a look at, you know, baseball season. Where are the Mets and the Yankees right now? Talk some certain movies with John Stanko and more. We have a better week than Dick's fan. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.